See, if we come to Jesus broken and a mess, and we walk with Jesus and never experience transformation, just missing out on all the life he's offering today. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. You guys know that old saying, right? Be careful who you befriend. Like your parents growing up, I'm sure, told you at some point, those friends are bad influences and you should not hang around them. Did anybody have parents say something like that at one point or another? And how many of you as kids said, I will never say that to my kids, and now as parents find yourself saying something similar? Anyone? Just me. Okay. I find the older I get, the more I become my parents, and uh, that's both scary and not altogether that bad. See, there's this wisdom in this mantra, be careful who you're with because you'll become like them. And as hard as we try not to do that, we eventually will become like the people we're with. How many of you have seen older couples who've been married 50 or 60 years, and for some reason they look almost identical, and they talk almost identically, and sometimes they even have like a dog or a pet that looks almost identical? Anybody seen that? You will become who you're with. And this is a really good thing. If you spend time with people who are perhaps smarter than you or perhaps are more successful than you or more talented than you, you can learn from them the things they're doing and grow and become somebody you never thought you could be. If you spend time with somebody who's really, really good at stuff you're not so good at, perhaps you'll be okay at it eventually. You can be encouraged and challenged in all sorts of good ways even if it's things you are trying to avoid and flee. If you struggle with addiction and you spend time with people who have been sober, you can learn that sobriety can be something you also can one day experience. You will become who you're with. And sometimes who you're with is not who you want to become. I hear this often, especially when it comes to dating. If your partner or your spouse, well, spouse is a little different because you made a commitment, like you're, you're stuck there. But before you get married, if you're dating and, and your partner's not quite who you want them to be, right? Usually it's in the terms of, well, they just don't really like church and Jesus, but it's okay, eventually they will. There's a really good chance that if you're dating somebody who does not have the same faith as you, they will never come to the same faith as you. Now, it's certainly possible, don't get me wrong, sometimes it works, but most of the time, this is why the Bible warns about being unequally yoked. If you're dating somebody who doesn't hold the same faith as you, rather than raising them here, you end up settling for here most of the time. If you hang out with friends who spend their weekends going to the bar and drinking too much, 
there's a really good chance that at the bar with them, they'll encourage you to have a drink, or another, or another. And while at first you may have the fortitude to say, no, I'll hold off, one of us has to drive, it's also really possible that at some point along the line, you'll say, Uber's not that expensive, what's one more? You will most likely become like who you're with. And in our culture today, we are such an individualistic society, we say these things to be true, and then we act entirely otherwise. We say, well, it doesn't really matter because the people I'm with, I'm trying to share the love of Jesus with them, right? But how often do you actually stop to try to share the love of Jesus with them? Rarely. Now, please, don't hear me wrong. It's good to share the love of Jesus with people who don't know it. We need to do that. But most of the time, when we engage with and interact with people who are nothing like who we want to be, we don't do so with the strength and the encouragement and the community to do so well. We just do so because they're fun, and we like them, and it's, it's good. And we will become who we're with, I promise. How many of you enjoy the TV show The Office? Anybody? So a friend of mine who used to be a pastor here in town has probably watched the whole series like 20 times through. It, it was so bad, his addiction to the show was so much that when we were driving to Memphis one time, instead of putting GPS on, he just put the office on because he knew his way to Memphis and that was more important. And because of his addiction to the office, every conversation we had included quotes from the office. Have you ever met somebody like that? Like, they have entire conversations that are just TV lines and movie quotes and song lyrics. And if you're not up on pop culture, you're like, I'm completely lost right now. What are you talking about? You see, even the things we witness and we observe and we watch begin to become a part of who we are in such a way that they change the way we think and the way we act and the way we live. And so, if you in Scripture wanted to honor God, if you said God is really important and he's worth pursuing, it would be important for you to spend a lot of time with him. And specifically with people who were like him. People who, like you, wanted to pursue the same thing. And so in Jesus' day and age, there is a group of people called Pharisees. These were really good-intentioned, well-hearted people who thought... If only we could do the right thing for one day, then God would restore all that is broken to what should be right. If only we could all collectively for one day be sinless, everything would be okay. And so they made it a big priority who you eat with, who you drink with, who you spend your time with. That's really important because if you're with the wrong people, you will be moving away from that goal and not towards it. And so, in Jesus' day, it was radically offensive when Jesus showed up and he began to eat and drink with sinners. He began to go to the houses of tax collectors and prostitutes and say, hey, I want to be with you. And they looked at him and said, how can you be with these sinners without becoming like them? The gospel that we believe is a gospel that has two equally true, well, several, but two I'm going to talk about today, equally true realities. You will become who you're 
with. And yet Jesus calls us to go to those who are nothing like us. And how do we hold both of these in tension together? This is where we're going to be today and for the next couple of days. Next couple of Sundays, don't worry, I'm not keeping you here for the next couple of days straight, I promise, all right? So if you would like, open up to 1 John. This is where we're going to begin. It's the same book we just heard from, but a different chapter. Uh, This is page uh, 1266. If you're using one of the blue Bibles, you can find them in the pews or upstairs along the edges. Uh, If you're following along on your phone, I have no idea how to search it. You know, just type in the Bible, you'll get there, I think. Here you go. You ready? 1 John chapter 2. Now, he begins with my little children. See, John was one of the only disciples of Jesus who walked with Jesus, who lived with Jesus, who witnessed the death and the resurrection, who heard the wildly offensive things Jesus said, like, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. John was one of the only ones who lived to be an old man. All the rest had been killed for their faith. And in his old age, John wrote to the church all sorts of things, and he addresses them time and time again, my little children. Like a dad offering some good wisdom, let me tell you how life should be. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. John, he begins this section by saying, I hope with everything in me that you won't sin. In our context today, often we talk about sin in one of two ways. Either we talk about sin in this way that's guilt and shame ridden. You terrible sinner. You horrible person. Shame on you. Have you ever heard sin talked about in that way? And we say that if you truly love God, then you would never sin again. That, I think, is fundamentally not true. The other way we often talk about sin is we're like, yeah, 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 we know sin happens, but don't really worry about it. Jesus forgives it. It's no big deal. So you have freedom in Jesus to do whatever you want. Keep going. It's fine. He forgives you. And that is really dangerous. You see, the first says your sin is unforgivable, and the second says your sin isn't that important and doesn't really matter. And neither is true. John, he writes, he says, I want you to not sin. But if you do, we have an advocate. If you sin, it'll be okay. See, it's really important to begin this conversation knowing first and foremost, your sin matters. I don't care if that sin feels small like a little white lie or a tiny bit of gossip or maybe a little bit of anger over the person who cuts you off in traffic. I don't care if your sin feels insignificant. It matters because all of our sin, no matter how small it appears, separates us from a God who loves us. All of our sin, no matter how small it seems to us, deserves death. In fact, if you look around us in the world we live in today, this world is fully broken all around. And I'm not just talking about people. Creation itself is broken. Bad things happen for no explainable reason other than that sin has pervaded this whole world. 
It is here in all things, and we are broken. And when we minimize our sin and say that's not that important, we minimize all that Jesus has done. See, our sin is worth everything to God. John, he writes, says, I'm writing so that no one may sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate. See, our sin does not have the final answer. Just like before a judge, an advocate who speaks on your behalf, who helps argue your case, we have an advocate before our Father God in heaven. One who's not looking at all of your brokenness saying, wow, they really went far this time. Not looking going, you idiot, stop doing those things. No, looking with compassion. I have made it right. He's advocating on our behalf. It says, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. How many of you use that word in a regular sentence? Propitiation. Ever? Like even one time in your life? It basically means to look upon favorably, right? to appease. Jesus is the one who looks upon us favorably. He makes our sin appeased. No longer something we deserve death for. Jesus, the appeasement of our sin, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world, And by this we know that we've come to know him, if we keep his commandments. See, John, he writes in such a challenging way. He says, I want none of you to sin. But if you sin, it'll be okay. Jesus, he's your advocate. He makes it right. He brings you back before God. He reconnects you. And then he goes right on. He's like, and how do you know that you're walking with Jesus? Well, just keep his commandments. Which, if we had kept his commandments to begin with, we wouldn't even need him. So how do we do the very thing he's writing? If we are walking with Jesus, just keep his commandments. It'll be okay. He continues, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. I love the depth and the challenge of John's words. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. See, it's really, really tempting in our world today. To love to follow Jesus in the same way we follow anybody on Instagram. Yeah, I I like the things they say and do, but it doesn't move or change me in the slightest. It's really tempting to say, I like the idea of eternal life, but Jesus, I mean, outside of Sunday morning, and even then, Sunday morning when I feel like it, let's be honest, that's okay. Like I'm okay with honesty here. I don't always want to be here. Did you know that? Like There are Sundays I'm here because I'm supposed to be, not because I want to be. And it's okay if you're ever in that same place. I promise, okay? But but sometimes we think Jesus is enough if only we have him for like that hour and a half on Sunday morning. Or maybe when things are really bad, we're like, hey, Jesus, fix this mess. But oftentimes we rarely think about Jesus or desire Jesus or even care 
outside of our needs. In many cases, Jesus is for me and for most of us like a vending machine. I get what I want and then I forget about it until I want something else later. But he's so much more than that. John, who walked with him, who was himself challenged by all the things Jesus did, when Jesus ate with sinners, he's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Like, are you sure we should do this? I don't think this makes sense. Won't we become like those sinners if we do this? John himself, who watched us friend after friend, was killed for believing in Jesus. He says, look, if you say you know him, but it doesn't move you to live any differently, you're missing out. You're lying to yourself and to others. Here in this place, we say week after week, you can come as you are. And what does that mean? That means God is not waiting for you to fix or change anything before you're loved and accepted and forgiven by him. He's not waiting for you to get anything right. He simply says, come with all of your mess and your brokenness and be in my presence and let me do the rest. And sometimes we forget that there's more to be done after coming as we are. See, once we come to Jesus with all of ourselves, whatever that looks like, there's a second half of that. That's becoming who he made you to be in the first place. You see, Jesus has someone and something so much more in store for you. And I don't mean that when you follow him, you're going to be so successful, the whole world knows how great you are. That's not what I'm talking about. But imagine a life where you're filled with peace, where you're not angry at people who offend you, but instead you love them unconditionally. Imagine a life where you and your spouse care for one another at such a deep level that you're daily willing to surrender everything to say, let me love you better today. Or if you're single, imagine a life where your singleness and that loneliness doesn't define your every move, but where Jesus invites you to be loved by him in such a complete and full way that even in your singleness, you have everything you need. See, if we come to Jesus broken and a mess, and we walk with Jesus and never experience transformation, we're just missing out on all the life he's offering today. We often think walking with Jesus is a life in the future. After we die, then we get to be with him. But it starts today, yesterday, and the day before that. Every day of our life as we get out of bed, we get to walk with him or without him. This is not a guilt and a shame thing. It's not a question of salvation. This is a question of what life are you living? Is it truly worth living? Is it fulfilling in all the things you do that when you're angry and stressed and tired and worn out, you can still be the kind of person you want to be? When opportunities present themselves for greed and for lying and for slander, do you have the integrity to do what's right when nobody's looking? That's a life worth living. John, he continues, he talks about this new commandment that we're to love as he has loved, that we're to walk in the light. He says, don't love the world, the world will leave us empty. And then he ends with this at the end of this chapter. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence 
and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Abide in him. We believe in this place that to live with Jesus includes a life in which we're regularly with Jesus. Like, think about that. If you were married or dating somebody and once a year you talk to them, how strong would your relationship be? Now, I get it. I have a a best man, a friend who's closer than a brother, and we literally text each other on our birthdays, and that's the only time we talk all year long. But when the opportunity arises and we get to be together, we pick up like nothing changed. And we're, you would think we've spent every day together for the last 30 years. So those kinds of friends do exist. But for the most part, the people who are meaningful in your life are meaningful because you're with them often. And sometimes you're with them and they drive you absolutely nuts. Did, did you know that's okay? Like, you can spend time with somebody who annoys the heck out of you. And it can still be really good. And when you are walking with Jesus and abiding in him, I'm not going to say everything's going to be peachy keen and always great. There will be times when Jesus annoys the heck out of you. Not because Jesus is annoying, but because you and I are sinful. And the things he says and does and asks of you, I don't always want to do. And it's annoying. Do I really have to love this person? Don't you know how terrible they are, God? It's like, yes, I do. More than you. And I love them too. Walking with Jesus, abiding in him, is being connected to him every day. Hopefully not just for five minutes in the morning, but as you go about your day. That when your boss comes in and tells you you have to work late, you're not filled with this anger and hatred for your boss, but instead a sense of, Hey, God, help me to accomplish the work I need to do. Whatever that takes. Or maybe the confidence and the boldness to say, hey, I know you want this work done, but I have plans with my family. I will get it done on Monday. And accept the consequences of putting your family first. Imagine that. I want you to abide in him. That you may not shrink from him in shame at his coming. See, the truth is, our sin always drives us to want to run from him. Say, I don't really like being around you because I might be confronted with the reality that I'm not yet who I was made to be. That's okay. Jesus is not about shaming you, ever. Do you know that the difference between guilt and shame? Guilt says you have done something wrong. Shame says you are someone wrong. He says, I want you to abide in Jesus so that you don't shrink in shame. See, when we spend time with him, we realize it's not about what we've done. It's all about who he is and who he made us to be. You are not the sum of all your past mistakes. And you're not the sum of your future mistakes either. You are wholeheartedly forevermore a child of God, bought by adoption, brought in by his death. You are his, no matter what you do. And when we spend time with him, when we learn to practice a life of being with him every day, all day long, and those little voices in our head remind us of our guilt, And that guilt becomes shame, and we begin to say, why did I do that thing? 
They're always going to ridicule me for that stupid thing I said. How come I am this way? Jesus wants to remind you that who you are is not what you've done. Ever. Continues. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. I love this language that John uses. Everyone who practices righteousness. See, practicing is not because you're perfect. It's not because you're doing it well. In fact, you practice with the goal of getting better, of growing and becoming stronger, of learning muscle memory so that it's just a habit to practice righteousness as a consistent choice. It's a consistent pattern of moving in a direction that is healthy. And if you've ever played sports, you know some practices are terrible. And other times they're not so bad. But you do them over and over and over again, listening to the coach, the one who knows more than you, who's done it before and can show you, let me teach you how to grow. With practicing righteousness, you and I will not get it right. So John says, I hope you do not sin. But if you do, you have an advocate. One who's on your side, who's not mad and angry, but says, let me help you grow even more. If we practice righteousness, an ongoing habit, it will change who we are. Let's flip over to that psalm that we saw in the little video, Psalm 145. We put up the slide. What's, oh, that's on page 658 of those blue Bibles. Psalm 145. This is a psalm of praise. If you've never read the psalms as a songbook, they're filled with all kinds of emotion. And sometimes I know that when you're following Jesus and you're walking with him, it can be really difficult. And it's difficult because he doesn't always do what you want him to do. Life's not always easy. Sometimes your sin gets in the way. Sometimes the world reminds you of who you are, and it's a lie. And walking with him and practicing walking with him can be really difficult. In the last several months, I have come to find the book of Psalms to be an incredible source of strength as I walk with God. As I learn to be in his presence, there are times when I read one of these psalms or I I try in private by myself to sing them. I just make up songs using these lyrics. It's terrible, but you know it has great power, I promise. And I try to sing these songs and read these lyrics, and it has a way of changing the way I view the things around me. Psalm 145 is a song of praise declaring who God is. There's some richness here that I think is helpful for us as we learn to walk with Jesus, to abide in him, to remain connected, not just a little bit of the time, but every day, all day long, to learn more and more who we are and whose we are. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. To be really honest, even as a pastor, there's plenty of days where it's hard to say, my God and King. See, sometimes I think of Jesus as the one who makes it all right, but I forget that he is a king. 
And if you know anything about kingdoms, kings have a power and an authority unlike anything all of us peasants have. He is a king. As you walk with him, is he your king? Just a really good person you want to be like. My God and my king, every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Not on the days when I want to and things are going well. Every day I'll praise you. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on the wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. You and I have been invited to walk with Jesus. In fact, the, the imagery of walking has been all throughout the Bible. Even in the beginning when Adam and Eve had not yet been kicked out of the garden, God comes walking in the coolness of the day to be with them. And along the way, he time and time again shows up and walks with the people. And he rescues them from slavery in Egypt and he delivers them out of oppression and he leads them into freedom. And at one point, Moses says, God, wherever you go, we will go. But if you're not going there, we don't want to be there. We want our entire identity to be wrapped up in your presence. Time and time again, we're invited to walk in a movement, in a journey, which means some days your journey will be good and some days maybe not so much. Have you ever had to walk in the rain? It's kind of miserable at times, but it's worth it. There's this idea of movement and singing of his goodness. If you want to learn how to walk with Jesus, I want to encourage you this week to try something new. Every day, set an alarm on your watch or perhaps on your phone, and at the turn of an hour, right, right when it becomes 11 a.m. or noon or whatever time, take a moment and write down one good thing God has done for you that day. At first, you're like, well, that's really easy. I'm breathing. That's good. My liver's functioning. That's good. All right, I didn't get hit by a car. That's good. You do this enough, you'll find that some days it's hard to think of the good things he's done that you haven't already written. But if you do this habitually and long enough, what you're going to begin to discover is your whole worldview changes, that instead of looking for all the bad and the hurt and the pain and the sorrow, you begin to see all around you one thing after the next that is good that God is doing, even in the midst of great pain and sorrow. Walking with Jesus is seeking him in all things, even when we don't want to. And this is why it continues in verse 8. The Lord is gracious and merciful. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Grace, He gives what we do not deserve. Mercy, He withholds what we do deserve. He is gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love. In fact, it says He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. 
if we want to grow with Jesus, we need to draw near to him, to be with him. Why? Because it's only in him we find grace and mercy and abounding love. I know you and your spouse are perfect, but I promise they will never love you like he does. I know that you and your friends are doing well and you enjoy the time you spend with them when you go out to the bar, out with your friends, and just do whatever you do. I know it's great. I promise he will always be greater. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. and His mercy is over all that he has made. You and I need to walk with Jesus. Because when we walk with him, we are reminded over and over and over again, you are loved. And you need to hear that. And not just hear it, you need to know it and experience the God who created everything, who at the sound of his voice, bears and trees and mountains and rivers came to be loves you and gave everything for you that we don't have an angry god who's here to judge us for our sin but an advocate who stands on our behalf and says this one has been made new this one is not who they were but who i've made them to be this one is mine and we need that each and every day so as a church, one of the things we do to try to grow in faith is we have committed to a lifestyle of practicing the way of Jesus. That is, we have committed to learning to reorient our time and our energy and our money and all of who we are to doing three things. That is, to first, being with Jesus. And only from that place of being with him do you and I begin to become like him. We begin to be transformed, a work in progress, become somebody you never thought you could be in him. And as we are with him and we become like him, we begin to do the types of things he does. So going all the way back to where we started and those that we're with, we become like. Are you spending time with Jesus outside of Sunday morning? So that you can become like him and ultimately do what he did. Go to those who are far from God. Without becoming like those people who are far from God, you instead get to bring love and grace and peace and mercy into all of their mess. That only starts with being with Jesus every day. So a few simple ways you can begin to be with Jesus. You can begin each day to make a habit of stopping to praise God for all that he has done. God, here's a list of things today that you have done that are good. You can begin to create a habit of practicing what the Old Testament calls Sabbath, a consistent day of rest, where in that day of rest, you focus on drawing near to God. And what day is Sabbath? It doesn't really matter. It can be whatever day you want, okay? We can get into that conversation later. You can go back and listen to our Sabbath series online. What day it is doesn't matter, but you can habitually practice pausing in our ever-busy, increasingly more demanding world, saying, I'm going to stop and just be with Jesus today. 
You can practice the habit of silence and solitude, setting aside time each and every day for the awkward, uncomfortable silence. If you're a parent, silence is a terrifying thing. It usually means your kids are doing something they're not supposed to. And if you're not a parent, silence is a really uncomfortable and often terrifying thing. Because it's in our silence that we begin to hear God speak. Usually it's in our silence that we first and foremost begin to hear the world speak. And those lies and those accusations and those things that we have held on to that are unhealthy and untrue seem to overwhelm us in our silence. But when we practice learning to become silent regularly, so we can simply sit and say, Jesus, I'm here today to be with you. We can begin to invite him to speak the truth over those lies we've believed, to give us strength when we don't know what to do tomorrow, to help us love those who are unlovable and comfort those who are grieving. There's a whole host of ways you can begin to be with Jesus. But the thing that really matters is that you don't wait till tomorrow. You will miss out on so much more that he has in store because he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. It's my hope and my prayer that you and I together can learn, not just on Sundays or Wednesdays or Tuesdays, but every day of the week, to slow down from all that's happening and just be with Jesus. I promise he will not disappoint you. Will you pray with me? God, we rarely see you as our king. We rarely see you as the one enthroned on high. We ask that today you would quiet our minds and our hearts. Help us to know that you have promised to be with us always to the end of the age. You are here in this place. You are in our cars as we drive home on our couches when we're sitting there watching whatever we find entertaining. God, you are with us. Help us to slow down to be with you, to practice abiding in you and in your righteousness. Help us to see the things we do that are damaging, and to surrender them to you that we may become somebody we've never thought we could be. Teach us to be with you in the little moments. May we hear your voice and experience your presence and commit ourselves to you. That your goodness and your love and your mercy and your grace may be new every morning for us. That we can walk in your ways and delight ourselves in all of your will. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. If you want to learn more about how to begin to be with Jesus in your daily life and habits of practice that will help you grow, you can do a couple of things. One of those being go online to thepointknocks.com. We had a whole sermon series about the practice of silence and solitude and about Sabbath and learning to slow down to be with Jesus. 
In the future, we're going to have more learning how to be in his word and experience him here in this rich text that's more than just words on a page, but his very word to us. We're going to continue talking about these other ways that you can be with him. So if you want to learn more and you're like, I've never heard about this, how do I do this? Start this week by just finding ways to praise him every day. I promise you'll begin to notice him doing more than you ever thought he was. As we continue our worship, we're going to continue by collecting an offering. See, in this place, we believe that everything that is comes from God. All of our stuff is not because we earned it, but because God has given it. And so we believe one way to experience his presence and to partner with what he's doing is to trust in him even with our finances. And so in this place, we encourage giving on a regular basis as a habit. And we encourage that because when we give regularly, we're regularly forced to say, God, you alone are the provider of all things, and may all things that you provide be good and used for your glory. So if you came prepared to give today and you would like to give with cash or check, or if you filled out one of those connect cards with a way we can be praying with you, uh, you can place either of those things in the popcorn buckets as you exit. Natalie, I believe, is going to hold one of them in the back. If you're somebody who prefers to give electronically, you can give at thepointknocks.com by, by clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love because we already have it. Thank you. Well, every week we invite you to send in questions, and I do my best to respond. This week we get to have a joy. How many of you know Steve? I didn't think so. Uh, unless you volunteer, probably most of you don't. Steve is faithfully here all the time. Usually you see him uh, playing the bass over there. And today I just threw it out to the volunteers and said, who wants to read questions and do questions with me? So Steve volunteered himself. Thanks, Steve. Uh, You're welcome. Yeah. Is this working? Is it on? I don't hear it. Okay. Okay, it's working on there. Excellent. So what questions came in today, Steve, that I can do my best to try to respond to? First, we're going to start with, uh, I guess this is an announcement. There are still plenty of spots available on the meal train for the weavers. You can find the link from our Point Church Facebook site. Uh, for those of you who were here last week or a couple weeks ago, you heard me mention that Johan Weaver had a really lengthy surgery that was planned, but uh, we are making meals for their family. So if that's something you would like to participate in, either... Um, making a meal or if you're like i don't like cooking i'll buy a meal that's acceptable too uh, you can sign up uh the points facebook page or come talk to deanna she's over here deanna right there next to keith and the white and the flowers i think those are flowers he's not in flowers deanna is yeah you can talk to her all right okay there are two questions that are very similar so i'll just read them both at the same time the first one said so where are the best tacos the other one says, you mentioned good tacos, but then didn't say where the good tacos are. What's up with that? Emily could tell you where all the best tacos are because she's really well uh, plugged into all the best places in town to eat anything for that matter. Uh, I would say the best tacos I've had actually were the, the big bad uh, taco food truck that was here like three weeks ago. I thought they were awesome. So if she has a different opinion, I, she's back there. Um, she might have better taco recommendations, so go talk to her afterwards and she can tell you. Okay, great. Um, we've got a few questions from...
from the same person. Cool. Uh, this person gave their name, which I'm not going to read here. These are, by the way, anonymous unless you give me your name. So I want you to know that. But I'll just read all the questions. So why do we, why do we accept that he takes our loved one too soon? Why should we pray to a man who takes our loved one? Why do we accept this? I still pray and come to church even if I feel like I don't belong. After so many losses in such a short time, it is hard to step in the door. I feel like I fear stepping across the threshold. I hurt, but to hear of others, friends, family, the question is why? Tell me why. There's a lot in there. So first and foremost, I want you to hear this. This is a safe place to hurt and to grieve and to have questions. And so if, if you want to meet and talk, I will listen and I can't offer answers to everything. There's some things I don't have answers for. But what I do have is the promise that he has said there is uh, encouragement and the mutual consolation of the brethren. When we are together and we share our hurt, we can find strength to walk through that hurt. To the question about how come he takes our loved ones too soon or too early or when they're too young. The trick and the difficulty is every one of us at all of our ages deserves death. And God doesn't desire death for any of us. It's not good to die. No, what is good is to have life and life everlasting. That's how we were created and that's what we were made for and so we cling to the hope and the promise of the resurrection. That Jesus conquered death and there will come a day when death is no more. And for now in our grief, when you lose a loved one, I'm not going to tell you any reason why. I'm not going to say any of the terribly hurtful things that people sometimes say. Like God wanted them or God needed them or God was sparing them. None of that helps or is for that matter even true in the context of death. The only thing I'll say to you if you're grieving is death sucks. And you're not alone. And God has conquered death. So one day, this pain too will be wiped away. And we will have life everlasting. Between now and then, it hurts. And grief, there's never a time when you need to get over it. I promise. Grief can and will persist so long as Christ has not yet returned. So let me walk through that with you. Let us together as your church walk through that grief that you can find ways to get unstuck from the pain and move forward in your journey with that still there. <laughs> okay, next one. Um, so I've been very stressed out with schoolwork and I don't know how to tell my parents that I sometimes want to break from my work sometimes, but I don't want to seem lazy also. So do you have advice? Man, I don't envy you being in school. I was talking to my neighbor yesterday, and he's like 44, and we both regularly have dreams, like nightmares, about being back in high school. Anybody else have those problems, or is it just us that needs therapy? Right? <laughs> School is exhausting and stressful, and so I want you to know first and foremost, like, you're not alone. Uh, anybody who's not in school any longer, we've been there, we know that pain and that problem. 
Uh, what I would encourage you to do if it's difficult to talk with your parents about it is I would encourage you to maybe find uh, someone else that you can speak to and ask for advice. Maybe practical tips of ways you can break your work up so that you can take a rest and a break without uh, avoiding your homework. Maybe they can give you encouraging ways to talk with your parents and say, hey, this workload is overwhelming. What do we need to do together to help you through that? All right. Um, whatever your next step is, I just want to encourage you, don't try to do it alone. Like, stress is real and it hurts and it's hard that's why we're in this together to say you can do this you can get through this okay okay i think this is the last one and it is actually a comment it says in defense of that pastor the office isn't just a tv show it's a way of life <laughs> quite literally yes <laughs> and hey i love the office you won't hear me uh ragging i think it's great um, maybe a little dangerous when you're driving through traffic watching The Office. So if that's you, I would encourage not doing that, all right? Uh, one last thing for you before you go. Over the last several weeks, we've talked about getting your picture for our uh, church directory. Basically, we know that sometimes you reach that awkward stage. You're like, I should have known their name months ago or years ago, and now I've forgotten, and I don't know how to ask for their name. And so to help with that, we're creating a pictorial directory that'll just be your name and your picture and perhaps your social media handle you prefer for people to get a hold of you through if you're open to that. Um, so if you would like to be a part of that, today is the last day to get your picture taken and still be in that. So please, Emily is in the back. If you don't know Emily, she's got the camera. She had the guitar earlier. She'll be back there and she would love to take your picture and get you added to that before you go. All right. So with that, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.